0: Hello, this is Dr. Dan Guerra from Authentic Biochemistry. This is the 1st of March, 2020. We've been talking about auto-inflammatory diseases, and because of the coronavirus outbreak, I've given a series of lectures, uh, video as well as only audio over the podcast, describing the uh, outbreak and some of the molecular pathology and molecular pathological biochemistry of the disease, staying away from most of the clinical discussions, although I have brought that up when I discussed the ProMed male data on the occurrences, death rate, and death proportion rates, and whatnot. Today, though, we're going to go back into the molecular physiology, particularly the pathobiochemistry of inflammation, the inflammasome, discuss what the molecular patterns are, particularly the pathways involved in generating an immune response uh, and one that we're most interested in right now because of something like this virus would be the lung and then how that, the sequelae of that particular inflammatory response for um, purposes of controlling the invasion of a microorganism or of a virus or from other types of tissue damage can lead to a very severe uh, pneumonia in the lung cavity. And then that can lead to high levels of morbidity and, in very rare events, mortality. People normally have comorbid uh, diseases or uh, profundities because of uh, other things they do, for example, lifestyle patterns such as cigarette smoking or obesity. And that can lead to a further um, decrease in the uh, quality of life for people that are infected with, say, a coronavirus or any other possible pathogenic uh, origin. So with that in mind, I just want to get right into this whole discussion. So there's a paper that was published very recently. In fact, it's out right now. Uh, it's in uh, Immunology. It's published in volume 159, March 2020, pages 245 to 242, 256. And it's going to be talking about macrophages. So we're, we've are we been talking about innate immunity and acquired immunity in inflammation. And what I want to do is is key in on some of the real specificity here. But in order to understand that, you have to get some background, of course, in the organ system we're describing. And the organ system we're describing, of course, is the lung. Um, so what is the lung? lung is rather unique in that it has to protect against uh, in- inhaled uh, microorganisms or potential pathogens. Um, but it also has to be able to um, sort out whatever response occurs to those um, foreign substances So these are all events in that the substance enters into the lung uh, when you inhale uh, and then it has to be processed in a way that either it can be treated as a potential immune reactive system or event and then introduce the activity into the innate immune response and then the acquired immune response in the lung or if it is just something like an inert particle which just gets uh, otherwise, removed from the lung cavity and not inducing an immune response. It's really important for the lung to be able to differentiate that. So, the lung has tissue resident immune cells, and that can provide sort of a local immunity and protection against a potential infection. Um, but of course, because there are resident immune cells, we've been talking about this for years now in my immunology lectures. Uh, that means that you can override or overstep that boundary and then induce an au- even an auto-inflammatory response reacting to uh, autoantigens in the host, and that can lead to a chronic inflammation uh, in the absence even of an infection, and that can lead to things like asthma and bronchitis, as well as just upper respiratory tract uh, disorders that are not so described in those particular uh, categories. There's also an understanding, besides having resident macrophages, which are part of the innate immune response, there are also, as I've been talking about, resident memory cells of the lymphocyte category and even B cells. Um, So the resident memory T cells are called TRMs, T resident memory cells. And the memory part of that uh, description basically means that those T cells have been programmed to recognize specific antigens once activated. Those antigens can be usually from a previous invasion, either abiotic or biotic in source. And magnitude can be anywhere from a very small but steady state of, say, an inoculum or of a particular antigen presentation. Or it can be a high, super abundant variety of it, uh, inducing a very strong immune response. Either way, you can get T-resonant memory cells. And they can be, of course, in the lung. So they are part of the lung immune response. They tend to be non-circulating, though. They're tissue resident. Um, and so you have innate immune cells and you have these T-resonant memory cells. And that's a really important thing to understand because that's going to provide you the first level of defense against any kind of infection in the pulmonary system. <laughs> it's going to be responsible and necessary for describing and maintaining the adaptive immune response, which can then be uh, initialized and activated upon the introduction of a specific, say, pathogen, say something like a coronavirus. It's really important to understand that there are resident cells. So tissue resident macrophages themselves are going to be in the lung cavity and they're going to, in the entire pulmonary system, in fact. And they're going to provide some kind of protection against any kind of invale, inhaled pathogen or potential allergen, right, coming, say, from a plant source. Um, they're going to prevent any kind of uh, overstepping of the immune response so that you can prevent any kind of, uh, of, say, uh, autoimmune or excessive hyperimmune activity, as I've just said. So you have something called interstitial macrophages, or IMs, and those populate the lung interstitium. And those are usually derived from Blood monocytes, so you get a monocyte macrophage lineage, lineage uh, from that, and there's also a portion that are that are resident, that exist within the pulmonary system. So the IMs, right, the interstitial macrophages, produce a, a whole host of immunoregulatory cytokines that help keep a steady state. In other words, they act as a, both as a potential for being activated, but also to control the lack of activation, a suppression of activation in the healthy lung cavity. And so you have immunoregulatory cytokines being generated, and those generate this, essentially this steady state. Um, you also have alveolar macrophages or AMs, you've got IMs and AMs, and they're, they're a population of macrophages, which do go through cell division, so they can self-renew. They're resident they can replenish also from the bone marrow. They're primarily anti-inflammatory cells. These AVOR macrophages. And of course, that, that means that they mediate a suppression of inflammation and they further promote homeostasis. Now, one of the ways they can do that is by controlling phagocytosis um, of apatotic cells or pyrotolic cells that have otherwise gone through a programmed cell death and need to be removed. So remember, macrophages' main job is to remove um, dead cells, dead cell debris. Having said that, they also, of course, signal uh, to other innate immune cells. And so doing can induce the acquired immune response, either directly or indirectly. So primarily, um, they, they remove anti-inflammatory cells and, and also cells that have gone through some kind of programmed cell death. Um all right, the, so that's, I think, all I want to say at this point. There's also something we've talked about before in, these, in this lecture called inflammatory monocyte macrophage on or IMMs. Those are obviously not going to be like the ones we just described. They're not going to act like alveolar macrophages. These are going to be the ones that induce an inflammatory response. And they're going to do so through a series of alterations of cytokine and uh, also subsequent chemokine synthesis and secretion which are then going to control transcription factor in different T-cell lineages that we've talked about extensively in various med lectures uh, in combination with authentic biochemistry, both the video and the audio. And once you remember things like FOXP3 transcription, controlling the regulation of T-regulatory cells. T-regulatory cells can also be found in the lung. Of course, they're going to suppress the T-helper cell acquisition of uh, inflammatory response. So there's going to be all of that at play in the lung right, because it's a very active biological tissue. So you have tissue resident cells and they there's a variety of them that are both in the innate and the acquired immune response and they're all found in the lung cavity. Now, I, I said before, we talked a lot about the TRMs. Those are definitely within the lung tissue and they are involved in subsequent adaptive immune response based on some kind of pulmonary infection. Um, You also have tissue-resonant B cells, plasma cells eventually, which can then be activated by T-resonant memory uh, lymphocytes, the T-cell lineages, and then they're going to produce what? Specific glycoprotein uh, antibodies, right? Immunoglobulins, and those are going to be triggered to respond to potential previously encountered pathogens, right? So the lung is also heavily involved in that. As I said, we have these alveolar macrophages, recognized as a non circulating subset of the macrophages. And you also have lung resident innate immune subsets of uh, or, or hematopoietic origin. And those go way back because they can self renew. And basically, they're naive, right? So you have all kinds of innate and acquired immune cells already within residency in the lung tissue. And all of that can be replenished from the blood, which we have a, obviously a very active um, feeding of cell types that are in circulation. So what about alveolar macrophages? Let's talk a little bit about this. Now, in the absence of inflammation, these alveolar macrophages are critical for maintaining, again, immune homeostasis, right? And they uh, these include alveolar epith- uh epithelial cells and dendritic cells and the T-cell population I just talked about most of these trying to maintain an anti-inflammatory homeostasis by generating anti-inflammatory cytokines. And in th- and in controlling that is the TGF-beta, or the Transforming Growth Factor Beta um, cytokine, which t- tends to maintain this homeostasis. In fact, TGF-beta is kind of a broad anti-inflammatory cytokine, and it actually limits the alveolar macrophage activation and it does it through what's called an autocrine loop. Uh, Those of you that uh, that have listened to previous lectures know about autocrine, paracrine, and endocrine systems in terms of regulation of homeostasis and um, the source of potential polypeptides and other circulating uh, uh, biochemicals that regulate those various um, pathways. Now, in addition to all that, you also have retinoic acid, which is involved in transcriptional control over genes that can then flip from um, suppressing the immune response or anti inflammatory cytokines to pro inflammatory cytokines. And those are the, remember, those are the ROAR gamma T, the retinoic acid orphan receptor gamma T T lymphocytes, which can then trigger a, a very invasive, powerful pro inflammatory response once that transcription factor is turned on by retinoic acid. Now, under inflammatory conditions, all of the immunosuppression in the uh, aveolar macrophages basically get shut down. Okay? And that's because of uh, a potentiation related to response to a PRR, or a pathogen-associated receptor, right? So these, uh, these pathogen-regulated receptors then are going to respond to an invading organism, and that's going to flip or trigger these aviolar macrophages to becoming pro-inflammatory. So this is all part of the molecular pattern receptor that we talked about before, the TLRs, the NLRs, et cetera, the ALRs. Now, because these uh, AMs have a very specific, discrete anatomical location in the ABOLR space, they are, of course, particularly suited to become an initial defense against pathogens. And that's why they're important to understand here in this immune response. In fact, it looks like, the AMs are involved in components of presentation and the rest of the clinical sequelae associated with COPD, that's chronic obstructive pulmonary disease. And and when they are functioning inappropriately, that means that not only could they induce an inflammatory response, they can actually fail to maintain a control over lung infection. So you get a double diminishment of the immune response. One is a proactivation of the inflammatory response. The other is a lack of control of invading microorganisms. This is what we talk about with, say, comorbidities in populations that could be potentially um, inoculated with a uh, virus particle that can induce a disease, such as a coronavirus. So this is where you get down to the molecular biochemical level. You have to understand that there are all these resident cells in the lung, and if they are triggered in the wrong way from their poise to either be anti-inflammatory and yet surveilling to pro-inflammatory non-surveilling, then you're going to get a full-blown dysregulation. You're going to get inflammation, but you're not going to get any triggering of control over the invading pathogens, such as a virus particle. So that's a very important key understanding. And so if you have a chronic dis- disablement of the lung, of the pulmonary system, uh, because of uh, various kinds of diseases, even congestive heart failure, but certainly things like cigarette smoking or, or otherwise a- exacerbating a healthy lung environment because of lifestyle um, choices such as overeating and obesity, all of this can lead to, because of the increase in necessary necessity for respiration to move blood through uh, the heart and lungs and then therefore pick up oxygen and release carbon dioxide, right? Normal respiration cycle. All of that is, is limited when you have excessive amount of obesity in humans. So that, even that lifestyle can play a role in whether or not you get a, uh, an infection, a virus infection that's cleared quickly whether it becomes more severe and actually becomes disabling or also ultimately could even lead to, yeah, to death. In those rare instances I wanna say though, okay? So we see this not just in viral disorders, we see this like in mycobacterium tuberculosis. Some people are more prone to tuberculosis that are immune compromised. We know all about that from previous literature. So there are lots of different kinds of proteins that we need to think about and each one of these plays a discrete role, right? So you have a series of chemokines and chemokine receptors I talked about very recently on these lecture circuits here. But we also talked about interleukin-6, tumor necrosis factor alpha, monocyte chemotractor protein 1, the Rantes protein, the granulocyte colony stimulating factor. All of these are proteins that act as signaling and sometimes as transcription factor or co-transcription factors that control the expression of genes that can turn on an inflaming response in the lung. So during infection, the aviolar the macrophages can still limit inflammation even at the infection as long as they are, are working properly and controlled. However, they can be fatal, right? If they're, if they're dysfunction, you get an autoimmune response, but you don't get a clearing of the virus, and that could prove to be a fatal system, right? So that's really important to understand. So phagocytosis of apoptotic cells by these AMs is really important even before they lice because that prevents what? especially in pyratosis, when they're ready to burst, the release of a, a whole storm of pro-inflammatory uh, chemicals into the system, right? And that's going to induce a really vivid, highly uncontrolled pro-inflammatory response. So you have anti-inflammatory cytokines like TGF-beta, Uh, one, you have prostaglandin E2, you have platelet activating factor. All of these are also surveilling compounds in circulation, bathing these cells, controlling this induction of a pro-inflammatory response. So you don't want defective AVL or macrophage phagocytosis. You want that to be functioning even during the inflammatory response. In fact, when that doesn't work correctly, that's often canonical to the presentation of childhood-associated asthma. So these aviolar macrophages have been well-studied, is what I'm trying to tell you. What um, else I also want to say? The AMs can also mediate the JK kinase signaling pathway that's going to induce the secretion of those SOCS proteins we talked about. And those all inhibit signal transducers and pulmonary patho- um, activator transcription factor activation so that you get this anti-inflammatory properties of AMs even during infection right? So it pulls down the inflammation response even during infection. So these AMs uh, can't be overemphasized as being really critical in the control of lung infection. All right, now let's talk briefly about interstitial macrophages. This is all from that paper that was just published, at told you, in immunity in March of 2020. So interstitial macrophages, of course, are also really involved in immunoregulation in the lung. That's what we're talking about here. In fact, they're really uh, essential for controlling the synthesis and secretion of immunoregulatory cytokines uh, during this steady state. But when you get an exposure to some kind of stimulus, um, such as the release of methylation patterns of CpG island or CpG DNA directly into the cell from, say, bacteria or from lipopolysaccharide, that's going to induce these interstitial macrophages to become activated. So when that happens, you can get then the activation via IL-10 of Th2 cells. Now we're getting into the lymphocytic uh, pro-inflammatory response. This is part of the allergic inflammatory neutrophilic asthma that is particularly um, uh, very detrimental to young children. Now, Now, besides all of that, we just described you do have this production of immunoregulatory cytokines. And those are going to be really important to suppress the immune response from the IMs, right? So a depletion of the subset of IMs associated with increased fibrosis are also really important to understand because you need to have a very powerful anti-fibrosis lineage in the interstitial macrophages and that would then what that would prevent excessive immune cell infiltration of fibrocytes which can cause exacerbation of the respiratory cycle so they're not as phagocytic the, as AMs these IMs aren't but they can be phagocytic and they do play a role because when people study them in mice you can see that when you induce polysaccharide, you can get phagocytosis it's just that they're not that critical role like AMs were, remember the alveolar macrophages, for controlling apoptotic and pyrotonic py- cells. But This is just still another lineage you need to know. So all these dis- diverse lymphoid cells are going to share functional characteristics with all the other T-cells uh, counterparts. Now, what are we talking about here? We're talking about something I described in great detail in previous lectures. They're called ILCs or innate lymphoid cells. They're a part of the innate immune response, but they're lymphocytes and they control homeostasis in the lung. That is, they control immune homeostasis in the control in, in the lung, excuse me. They control it. So you have these diverse lymphoid cells. Functional characteristics of them is that they lack antigen-specific receptors. So unlike other T lymphocytes they do not have the antigen specific receptor that canonical T T receptor T cell receptor that is so important for mh one mh 2 class interactions with dendritic cells for example triggering the entire required immune response. However, these ILCs do really work to function to protect at the innate immune response against all the pathogens we've been talking about with bacteria and viruses and fungi, but even parasite parasitic infections, and even during normal tissue repair and homeostasis, uh, subsequent to an inflammatory response with or without an infectious agent. So when ILCs become dysregulated, you get this hyperimmune response, and then you get a pathogenic. A dynamic system, an event of a pathogenesis that is unrelated to the potency of the potential disease-causing organism. And that's where you get this overblown response, and then you can get terrible deficiencies and insufficiencies of in lung capacity, and this can lead then to hospitalization, okay? So when people get really sick from respiratory illness and they have to be hospitalized, this is what's going on at the molecular and cellular level, the biochemical and cellular level. I really want you to understand that. I want you to know that there are at these three classes of these innate um, uh, lymphocytic, lymphocytic cells, and they are very similar to Th1, Th2, and Th17 lineages. So they're called ILCs 1, 2, and 3. And again, go back to listen to my previous lectures on this. Really important for you to understand. Now, um, last time we finished um, by referring to a, a different sequestered set of literature in biomedicine that talks about multiple sclerosis. Now remember we introduced that last time because I wanted you to be able to get the clear um, understanding of the architectonics of lipid metabolism in the inflammatory response. And remember we were talking about ceramide, which is a kind of a lipid. We talked about its synthesis from acid sphingomyelinase, which produces ceramide via degradation pathway, and also phosphorylcholine. And we didn't talk about what happens with phosphorylcholine. We did talk a little bit about ceramide. Phosphorylcholine can then go on to mediate um, the glycerol lipid pathways to make phosphatidylcholine, and that's another very important membrane lipid. And whenever you start remanufacturing or recombining portions of me- membrane phospholipids, including sphingolipids and glycerolipids, what happens is you can change the three-dimensional structure of that membrane, change the biophysics, change the biochemistry, change signaling, and change overall activity of that cell lineage by changing membrane physiology without even inducing um, incessant, innate, and and... Re- can sometimes reoccurring because of exacerbation, gene expression. Just nothing to do with gene expression except maybe later down the track. It has to do with membrane fluidity changes, membrane raft formation, which can then cluster and alter membrane receptors, leading to then a response to say an invading organism and all of that if that gets exacerbated. That gets exacerbated because of IMs, because of AMs, because of ILCs. It's going to trigger then downstream T lymphocyte-acquired immune responses that could be very powerfully pro- or hyper-inflammatory, and that can lead then to severe presentation of disease, hospitalization because, again, the loss of lung uh, capacity. And and when you have lung insufficiency that's going to put a person in the hospital, it's also going to increase all the other morbidities. They're going to co-aggregate around the illness of that patient and can lead to very ill people. And sometimes the rare event, the very unfortunate event of someone dying. Now, again, when I started talking about um, MS, I got into it because I wanted you to understand about sphingolipid metabolism. So we're going to get back to that next time. We finally got back to where I want to be here. And next time we're going to get back heavily into lipid metabolism. And how this relates to the inflammatory response and the macrophage lineages and all those T lymphocytes we just were describing in more detail. So, Again, what I'm doing here in authentic biochemistry is I'm trying to provide my listeners, professional scientists, as well as physicians, clinicians, uh, other interesting parties who have an, uh, the um, perhaps the job description to understand more the pathobiology of uh, given diseases related to current outbreaks of disease. What I want to do is inspire and instill good information to people that are working on these sorts of systems in the laboratory, in the clinic, and also in the pharmaceutical companies to consider possible alternate routes for controlling and and potentially prophylactically controlling disease outbreak by looking not so much as the invading organism, where you have to take months to introduce Uh, a a vaccine because you have to then you have to basically manufacture right some kind of immune uh, responsive agent usually some kind of immunoglobulin or something that triggers an immunoglobulin um, so that you can attack a specific virus with specific epitope i want to look more at the organization of the cell and how we can how we can alter how we can alter that okay how we can alter the biochemistry and the molecular and pathological biochemistry of the cellular system, once we know more about it, and here I'm talking particularly about lipids, but we're talking about other molecules in the cell, which we do, carbohydrates and amino acids, and of course, nucleic acids. But lipids is what I can because I'm a biochemist. I think that's the foundation of all this. So that we can get a specific small molecule intervention and be able to control not just the disease spread, but what, the presentation and therefore the morbidity of the illness. So I'm going to say goodbye for now or bye for now. This is Dr. Daniel on the 1st of March, 2020. Please keep listening because I'm going to start going into more detail here about the inflammatory response, lipid metabolism inside the, the lung and other tissues. Thank you for listening. Bye for now.